Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Marshall Way podcast. As always, I'm Bradley Clark and I am joined with my very good friend, Connor. Connor, how are you today, sir? I am very good. I'm good to be back. Mm-hmm. Very good to be doing it again. I've missed it, man. I know, absolutely. We are. That, that's what we are going to address, ladies and gentlemen. We are very sorry for the uh, the lack of episodes lately. Uh, unfortunately, between personal issues, moving house, work commitments, and a few other things, uh, and some annoying technical issues that we had a week or so ago, which I'd rather yeah. not repeat. Uh, um, we've, had, we've struggled to get the episodes out, but we are back to recording now. Normal service will be resumed, and look out for a lot of uh, episodes coming up in the next few weeks, uh, because we've had some good feedback. Uh, we had a, a lovely message from a gentleman named Dan who trains over in Australia, so shout out to yourself, Dan. Um, we're very grateful for you getting in touch, and it's nice to see that we are actually being able to, you know, to make an impact on other people's lives. That people yeah, are definitely. listening to us as well from other from other other time zones, literally the other side of the world to us here in England. And it's nice to know that you know there's people out there that resonate with the message we're trying to get out there uh, with the, you know the book that we're reading currently, and you know people making suggestions. That's what we want. We want to interact with people, and we're getting it, uh, and it's. It's good to see, and I know you've been uh, you were made up over it, Connor, as well. So, yeah, so thank you very much for that, Dan. And anyone else who has anyone else who's listening, drop us a message. Definitely. I know. I know. Dan's mentioned um, a book by uh, Shian Cameron Quinn. Um, he did. It's a second edition to a book he did many many years ago. Um, I, I believe when either Sosai was here or just passed. Um, for those who don't know Cameron Quinn is, I believe he was Sosai's personal translator, um, from mm-hmm. what I know. Yeah. Uh, but the book, the the, re- the new book that he's done, um, I can't remember its name, but it's I, the I have, Budo. I had, I had, yeah, it's the Budo Karate of Masayama. Yeah, yeah, and I had previously looked at it uh, when when he when he decided to bring out the the new second edition, but um, at the moment. Everything we do with the podcast, as you know, Brad comes out of our back pockets. So we we will look at getting the book at some point, but it will be in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but we be we will we will be reviewing it because I wanted the first edition years ago, and if you look on like eBay and that, people are selling that for like a fortune. So, but where uh, the second edition is just a it's like an updated version of the, the the first edition. So. It'll be a good book to review, a good book to read. Um, so thank you to Dan for um, putting that out there for us. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Thank you. All good. Yeah, thank you very much, Dan. It is on the list because uh, from everything I've read, it is a fantastic overview of the idea of the Budo Karate that we are discussing in this book currently, the Kyokushin Beginner's Guide. Yeah. Um, again, by Nathan Neger, who was also trained under Sosai, and no other person or anyone, no other people, other than those who have trained under Sosai, truly understand what his Budo Karate was. So being able yeah. to learn this from the people who have discussed it, lived it, and then written about it, uh, it's a great insight into actually the mind of the man, who people obviously put on a pedestal to an extent for a good reason, but they don't understand the gentleman and the man and the spirit behind just the yeah, idea yeah. of this really... For some people, it's almost like thug karate. You know, It's really brutal, it's nasty, but... There was a reason behind it, and there's a heart behind it, and a genuine soul. And to learn that from other people is a great thing. Um, and we really, really want to be able to dig into that because, unfortunately, obviously, suicide's passed now for, well, I think it's nearly 30 years uh, coming on. Yeah. 
So it's, you know, we would never, we have, we spoke to people who have trained with him in the past before. Um, but, you know, obviously these are all second-hand accounts and we're never going to get the first hand, but it's nice to see. And it's great to see the, the man behind the karate and the man behind the gi, Definitely. so to speak. Um, because there's some really fascinating stories that we will go into that are covered under Young Lions, Judd Reed's book, uh, which is going to be a yeah. book that we will cover that, that really, yeah, really digs into one. it as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's a brilliant one. And people are going to love that, I guarantee, because me and Con- Connor and I absolutely adored that book. Uh, yeah. So that'll be something that we get into. But back to the other book, the Kyokushin Beginner's Guide. We were on rule number 67. We were actually on rule about number 74 before we realised that we weren't recording my side of the podcast. Uh, so we're going to be going through this. We're going to be going through it a little bit of a quicker pace than we normally do because we do have a tendency to go off at the tangents, ladies and gentlemen. But it means that you're going to get the right information this time rather than listening to us uh, repeating stories from days, glory days past in the, that, in the dojo I'll that had nothing to do. <laughs> that tends to be me. So I will try to keep my mouth shut to a minimum and I will try and keep on uh, what we're talking about. But I can't make promises, but I will try. Uh, so I, and, and myself as well, because I have a habit of going off on... You'll be here for another 45 minutes discussing how we go off on tangents, so I'm going to stop on this tangent right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get, let's I'm get already back off. to the book. Yeah? Let's back to the book. So rule number 67, ladies and gentlemen, which is long stance, please. No, long stance. The heel type students ball and chain. I'm almost embarrassed to even write it because by doing so, I'm letting other instructors and students know in other dojos that it's a struggle I face in my dojo. And worse, letting folks in other countries know that it's a challenge Americans face from trying to grasp Budo karate. But I suppose I have to be tough enough to take whatever criticism may come. Imagine the following situation. We're practicing an exercise as a group. Long stances are required, but the heel type student present has, present has a weak stance. It's not long. It's not low. The student is not persevering. So the student says, long stance, please. The student responds, us, makes his or her stance longer, but not long enough. So the teacher repeats, no, a long stance, please. Us, the student responds, make another insufficient correction in the right direction. Now, he talks about how he describes this in section 12, which is, if you hear it twice, it's life and death, which is, this is an elaborate on the discussion where he's basically saying he sees it as a problem when he has a student who is effectively refusing to follow that other rule that if you hear it twice, yeah. you should never have to hear it twice. You should hear it once. Sometimes, yes, you need a Even correction, once. and especially early on. But if you're, say, someone like myself, who uh, currently is a green belt in uh, karate, if, you, if I have to hear twice to go low into a stance, especially one that I should know from my first lesson, then I'm failing not only myself, but I'm failing the dojo because now I have white belts, yellow belts, blue belts, orange belts, and everyone else underneath looking at me going, well, he can get away with it now. Well, uh, you know, yeah. why can't I? And it's bringing down the dojo. They should, anyone below me, and even the people above me, should be able to look at me and go, that's a shining example of how to do, how to do any kind of maneuver or move or anything else in the, in the club. And that goes for any rank of belt. A, a black belt should be able to look at a white belt and go, that's a damn good stance. That's very good what he's doing. He's putting me to shame because I'm not doing it well enough. And the white belt should be able to look at the black belt and go, oh my God, look how good that is. I'm planning on emulating that in the future. So this is a two-way street. Uh, 
and what he does say, he says, if you're reading this book, clearly you want to adopt the training ideals of Budo Karate Dojo. So please don't make your senpai beg you for a satisfactory correction. If you hear it a second time, do something drastic. Consider how weak you look to take everyone's time making baby corrections and never getting to where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Ask for help as well is the big thing. I, I always take away from this book anyway. Never be ashamed to ask for help. If you're thinking you're not getting this right, put your hand up. The teacher would rather come over and explain it to you there and then in one fell swoop and you go, right, I've got it now. I'll never do it again. Rather than constantly having to go no wider, no yeah, longer. You, you don't no go deeper. Have to ask the instructor either. You know, you can just go to someone with a higher rank than you. They should know mm-hmm. what, uh, what, what you're struggling with. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. I mean, if you're, say, a blue belt, and you look at a green belt, a green belt should be able to, should know enough to be able to look at you and go, oh, I see where you're going wrong. Yeah, let me show you how I do it, or how I remembered it, or how I was taught it, mm-hmm. um, which is, again, also down to your instructor as well. Should have Your instructor should be, in my eyes, should be looking to teach teachers, because everyone is a potential instructor in the future. So if you yeah. teach them the right way, you'll understand this as well as a black belt. If you teach them the right way, they know the right way to teach it themselves later on in the future. And then yes. you don't end up with this whole Chinese whispers of, well, I think That's this is how it. I got I think, taught yeah, it. That's I think it. this is it, yeah. Um, the other thing is as well, I mean, he mentions I don't get told twice. Um, uh, in theory, uh, so you're a green belt, Brad, you'll be, you'll be quite close to the top of the, the, the line, up in the lines, right? So you'll mm-hmm. be looking down on yellow belts and maybe blue belts. Depending on how big classes, uh, so you should see the yellow belts, and if the yellow belts mm-hmm. in a stance that's too too low, then what's wrong with you saying, "Right, come on, that's that's you're too high. You need to be lower," mm-hmm. um, you know, and, yeah. and that stops like the instructor, like you said, having to say it twice. You know, when when I was instructing, yeah. I, I would never ever look at one person and go, "Your stance is too short, uh, too too high. You need to be lower." I, I would I would say that to them. I wouldn't say that in front of the in front of the class. But if I was, mm-hmm. what I would do is, I'd, if, if there was multiple people that were too high, I, w- I would mention uh-huh. it and I, I would say, as a collective group, you need to be lower. Like, and then mm-hmm. to get it in people's heads that when something's said, um, just imagine it's to you. Don't be the one who's mm-hmm. saying things. Ah, I had the perfect stance. No, think to yourself, yeah. is he on about me there? Right, I'll make sure I'm in my stance is lower. I'll yeah. make sure my stance is wider. Um, mm-hmm. And if, if, if everyone in the class thinks like that, it, it stops that having to be told twice. Um, yeah. But Once everyone's got their ego out of the, out of the way, go, well, I know I'm right. Look around. Make sure you're the right one. Yeah. Make sure you're doing it right. Don't assume you're doing it right. Yeah. Because if you assume, you're probably not. But if you, if you, if you look to someone, and, and say you might only be a, a, a blue belt, um, and, you, and you look and you think, oh, God, that person who's lower ranked than me, their stance is a, a bit too too high, too high up. They're not low enough. If you've recognized that, you tell them. If, if, mm-hmm. if, if, if you've Absolutely. recognized they're too high, um, yeah. and then it stops, it takes that little bit of um, pressure off the, the instructor. Haven't, uh, I know an instructor mm-hmm. has to watch a class all the time, but the, mm-hmm. it comes a when you're trying to, to get through multiple things in one class, you know yourself, I go off on tangents, I'm going off on one now. Um, and it, it's difficult when you're teaching and 
when I used to see things, I would go off on a tangent and be like, right, you know, when this is what you need to do. Blah, blah, blah. If you see someone doing something wrong, tell them. And then that stops yeah. me going on a tangent of like, <laughs> like a half an hour thing on Zen Kutsudachi. Because trust me, it hurts standing in it for a long time. So if you see someone doing it wrong, tell them. It stops the instructor having to, one, stop the class, and two, have to tell people twice. Simple. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And to, to move on slightly on that one, because the next rule uh, integrates into this, which is rule number 68, your teacher always remembers. As hard as it might be to fathom, your teacher always remembers the thing they told you last, and probably even the thing he told you once way back then in the past. And yet your teacher has so many students, and your teacher tells each student so many things. How is this possible? If you understand the answer to this question, it will help you learn karate better and faster. If you value... If you simply value the relationship you have with your teacher and value what you're learning, it will instill in you a feeling of what to do the things your teacher tells you to do, rather than memorizing bunches of things. If you allow that one feeling to develop every time an exercise or situation comes up about which your teacher has told you something before, just seeing that exercise or that situation again will make you recall that thing your teacher told you last. Your teacher, by definition, values making you successful, which is what we've just been saying there. Your teacher wants to teach further instructors because the teacher knows they're not going to be around forever and they want their line of karate and they want good karate to last if you could teach good instruction and teachers who are students who are able to instruct themselves you know that you're going to have a good line of karate to succeed you once anything if anything should happen to you but the moral of this story is that the teacher always remembers because the teacher will always remember when they were annoyed with you last I mean, how many times do you remember a really good feeling of a really good feeling of having food at a restaurant? This is a good analogy. If you remember a really good restaurant, it's harder to recall a really good one. But you'll always remember when you had a bad experience, which is what your teacher remembers it. Because your teacher remembers, I told him for this last week, and now I'm getting annoyed again. I told him this last month, and now I'm getting annoyed again. The teacher doesn't remember. Oh, hang on a sec. I told him I didn't have to tell him a few weeks ago. You know, the teacher remembers, I told you. And the, the, Why aren't you doing this? Because now they're getting annoyed. Right, because like you know, you you you'll see a good stance, and it's like, wow, bloody hell, that's a good stance. You don't stop a class to turn around and say, this person has a fantastically perfect stance. <laughs> but mm-hmm. stances, that's when a class is stopped and it has to be looked at, and then uh, it's got to be shown. That maybe it's a different way to to learn that. So yeah, you're right. You know, you, you don't forget. Um, I, I certainly do remember. Mm-hmm. I certainly do remember good things people have done. Like, uh, but you, you do mm-hmm. tend to remember the more frustrating times. Definitely, absolutely, absolutely. It's really it could get quite irritating. It's like I say, you know, you remember a bad time at a restaurant. You rarely remember the good times, even though you've probably had more of them, mm. because you expect to have a good time. Yeah. You don't expect to have the bad time, so you don't. So you always people always remember a negative thing. If you go to someone and say, "Can you remember the great time you had in class?" and you go, "Well, no," because you expect to have a good time, you probably will remember the really good yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah, but... but if you say to someone, "Can you remember a frustrating time in class?" Oh, yeah, there was this time. There was this time. There was this time. There was this time. Yeah. Because you don't go into something expecting to be frustrated. Yeah. You go into something expecting to be able to work hard. The the goal is at the minimum to have enjoyed yourself as soon as it goes below that that's when you start remembering things which is when your teacher starts remembering things if i'm getting frustrated 
And I, I remember all the time how many times I've seen the children get in trouble. Yeah. For it's always kids uh, who get in trouble for not doing for not paying attention, leaning against the wall, hands in pockets, looking hands in on the, the hips, looking in the mirror. You know faffing around yeah. at the front of the class when they're supposed to be doing mirror work or shadow boxing. You remember seeing that, but you don't ever remember someone coming up and go, that's really good shadow boxing. That because the they shouldn't have to, mm. because the minimum standard is to be good, to be good at it. it. Yeah. The teacher that's expects, yeah. yeah, the teacher expects when someone, when a beginner isn't going to be very good at things, but that's where they coach you. And they remember because they're not frustrated when they're coaching, when it's something that you haven't done before. That's fine. It's when you've been coached for six months and now they're like, right, you're not picking this up now. Yeah. Now you need to start putting a bit of effort into it. Yes. You know, you need to start putting a bit of, you know, a bit of umfit behind what you're doing. You know, and it's it, that's when it starts getting frustrating. And that's what you remember. That's why your teacher always remembers yeah. because they always remember the bad and stuff. I'll tell you something else teachers always remember as well. If you do good migrate, mm-hmm. as in front kicks everyone who doesn't know. Yeah, sorry, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, as an instructor, you'll see that and you think to yourself, that was a bloody good kick, right? Now that, that kick that you've just done is the new expectation to your instructor. So if your next mm-hmm. kick the week after or the next session is worse than that one, your instructor will not forget that either because mm-hmm. that's your new expectation now. The best kick you've ever mm-hmm. just done in your whole entire life is now the expectation. So now you need to get better yeah. than that kick and not yeah. worse. So it, it's it's really hard. It's it's not an mm-hmm. easy thing. But yeah, it's, the instructor will never forget. Yeah. The thing is as well, you remember, I always remember, I, you know a feeling of a good kick when you do a good kick because you can see the work. You can feel everything work perfectly. Like you, there's no effort in it. There's no stress in it. But when I do a bad kick, I can remember the bad kick because I'm like, oh, my God's sake, that was awful. That. Yeah, because you feel like, like you, you just feel know in your head. Yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you just feel it. But then when you know that you've done a good one, you're like, bang, it. ooh, ooh, that was tingly, that almost, because it's, it just worked so effortlessly. He, but he, when it's effortless, you don't remember. He, he is one for people. You remember who, the effort. Um, if, if you sit there and you do a kick and you think, that could have been better, do another 10 every time you do that. And make sure mm-hmm. that the next 10 are the best kicks you've ever done. And uh, mm-hmm. it's one way to make sure you kick really, really good. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it, it's, this one is, is an important thing because if you can remember that your teacher remembers because you remember the negative things, it's going to make your teacher, again, nobody talks about there is valuing the relationship. Mm-hmm. You're trying not to frustrate your teacher. You know, you try not to make them annoyed because you know what it's like to be annoyed. If you can remember what the feeling is of being frustrated with yourself, your teacher could see when you're frustrated with yourself if you've got a good instructor. God knows how many times you've seen me get frustrated with not being able to get yeah, something yeah. done. And you, if you could see that I'm frustrated with something, that might be, you know, over an extended period, that might be at a point where you step in and go, all right, let's coach you. Let's see what you're struggling with. Let's get it done. Let's work it out. Yeah, yeah. But if you see me frustrated, if you can see I'm not doing it right and i'm not bothered that's when there's a real issue yes if i'm getting frustrated then there is an issue but it's a coachable moment if if i'm doing something wrong but i'm not getting frustrated that's when you're going to get angry because i'm clearly not being bothered yeah yeah definitely that's a very big one 
so we'll go on to the best rule in the book, which is rule number 69. <laughs> the ACB <laughs> is not the ABC lock. This requires a bit of explanation. So here's a critical concept having to do with following your teacher's how, not only his or her what. Beginners should read this very carefully. Upwards to 50% of all new students find themselves for a time in a situation that threatens their very success as a karate student. And yet it's the one that's very easily avoided if you're unaware of it. And if you understand the point here presented. In other words, understand this concept and you'll never have this kind of problem. If a complex series of motions or series of motions is confusing you, your teacher is very likely telling you the exact shortcut you need to alleviate your confusion. But there's a chance you're not hearing it because you're trying too hard to keep up. That is, you're trying so hard to understand that you're not paying any attention to the answer that would make it easy for you. The solution is simple. Buckle down and remind yourself that you're supposed to listen for the how and show that you did in fact hear it. Understand that in this case, the how has to do with how best to sort out in your head the complex task being asked of you, rather than the more common case where the how refers to how your teacher wants you to do the technique better. An example will make this concept very clear. Read the quote and listen for the what and the how. When your partner kicks block while cutting to 90 degrees and counterattack with a kagetsuki, then a geramawashigari to the inner thigh, and then a straight punch. Make sure you concentrate on the step. When your opponent kicks, drop your heel back to pivot on your front foot to face your opponent from the side like this. It's basically a long-winded way of saying if someone kicks out, step to the side, punch him, kick and punch him. Yeah. Um, in a long-winded way. But what he says there at the end is to concentrate on the step when your opponent kicks, drop the heel. A lot of people will get frustrated with trying to do the thing because they'll end up getting themselves entangled in a complex series of motions, uh, which is why a big thing that I see you do uh, as an instructor, when you've done moves in the past, I always see you practicing them. And you've used me to practice these moves before you get other people to do them yes because you know that if you can't do it yourself how can you yeah, teach it exactly yeah. but if you can do it you understand where people are going to get tripped up because you know where you've got tripped up yeah. and then you'll see people trying to do the moves and they'll skip over what is the actual easy step to get onto the because people when people do moves like this they always do it the same way they'll half arse the step get themselves into the wrong position just so they can throw a kick and a punch yes yeah. but if you actually step the right way, then the punch and the kick will come a lot more easily. But you can see where they're getting frustrated because they're not listening to how you want them to do it, which is that simple step off to the side. They'll just step off to the side, half arse, and they'll be like, oh, well, nothing makes sense now because I'm all in the wrong position. Mm -hmm. And that's what he's trying to say. Your teacher's telling you most of the time how to do the move a lot more easily because it's not what I was saying before with a click, a kick even. If you do the th everything right, everything is easy. Yes. Fighting is still hard, but everything is easy if you do are doing it right. You know, it's when we do kicks on a pad, right? Say we're going for a total of kicks. We've done this with a group of kickboxers before. You said, right, do 50 kicks to this pad. Kickboxers did taps, so they go da 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 da, like really tap kicks, and he was done in about thirty seconds, thirty forty seconds to a minute, something like that. And then he stood there waiting, looking at me, but I'm going bang reset, bang reset, bang reset, because I know that's what you want. I know you want fifty good kicks, yes. whereas he might have only done two, the first two. If that. Then he just banged out forty-eight. Then he did. Then he knocked out forty-eight really fast. 
I was exhausted by the end of it, but I know I'd done them all right. And that's what I know you wanted. Yes. But that's the relationship thing that you you grow to build. This is what he's trying to say here. You know, you're trying to grow that relationship as a teacher and a student. And your teacher is telling you how you want it done and how to make it easier in the long term as well. But I know what I'm listening for. If you say 50 kicks, I'm doing 50 kicks. Yeah, yeah. I'm not doing 50 tap with the instep. I'm doing 50 these are going to drop an opponent kicks. That's what I'm looking for. I know that's what you're looking for. 100%, yeah. And it's... The big thing is, with this one, is it is linked to another book. Sorry, another rule in the book, which is that how, not the what. You need to understand how I'm wanting you to do it. Because if you listen to how I'm wanting you to do it, I'm telling you the easy way to do it as well. It may be hard in the long, to do it over and over again, but um, it's still the easy way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Kick, reset, step, move. Kick, reset, step, move. Focus on the step. And I'm suddenly doing a kick and I'm sat there afterwards not doing the step. It's actually going to make my life easier to do. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it's... Again, I've, I've done some instructing in the past and when you're actually listening, when you're actually watching people not doing the easy thing, when they come over and go, actually, if you do it the way I'm telling you to do it, life's going to be a lot easier. I mean, how many times in jiu-jitsu have you ever done a... Anyone who's ever done a jiu-jitsu class where they go... They instruct, you, you look at the the move that the instructor wants you to do. You go to do the move. It might be a triangle or an arm choke or something like that. And they look, come look at you and go, move your hips one inch to the left. Yeah. I, suddenly, the move, uh, suddenly the move's on and you're like, oh, tight. hang on. Yeah, and the person you work with is like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. Because everyone's obsessed but, with getting the choke on, so they forget to move the hips, which is what they wanted you to do to make it easier. It's like, but it's like in karate, though. It's like, uh, I, I, uh, he's, he's mentioned stepping to the side there. Uh, slight angles in, in karate can make a kick mm-hmm. go from, oh, that hurt, but I can deal with it, to moving the kick up two inches. To oh my mm. god, I can't feel my leg anymore. Oh my god! And uh, yeah. that's the difference. And a lot of people think, well, the harder I kick them, the the the, the more damage it's going to do. Not necessarily. It will hurt them. Mm-hmm. But move that kick up two inches, and you don't have to use as much and power, and that leg is dead. Simple as that. Yeah. There is a big difference between hurting someone and damaging them. Yeah. Once you've actually figured out what that is, suddenly everything else makes a lot more sense. Yeah. And we'll go on to number, yeah, very, very good one to remember. Now, back to the book, rule number seven is your teacher can read your mind, learn to read the teachers. Your teacher can read your mind, really. Remember the what and how described in number two. Review that section and you'll see it encourages you to train your ear to be hypersensitive to the instructions your teacher gives you. Sometimes there won't be a how, but most of the time there's a what and a how. The teacher can and does read your mind all the time, at least to the extent that your teacher knows what you're concentrating on when you execute a technique not at the very least, knows whether or not you're focusing on the thing they've asked you to focus on. Um, we'll just go over this one quickly because this carries back to what I've just been saying there. Yes, basically. The yeah. teacher can see what you're instructing. or If you're, as an instructor, you can see what I'm getting frustrated on. Yeah. So you could see what I'm getting annoyed on. If I'm clearly getting annoyed on a very specific thing, then you know why I'm going wrong. You can see that I'm getting frustrated. You can see, again, though, if you could see that I'm doing a move but I'm not bothered, 
and I'm doing it wrong and I'm not bothered. You can also read the mind to say, well, he's just not clear. He's clearly not interested in what I've got to say. Yes. But if I'm attempting to do the move and I'm clearly getting frustrated because I'm not getting it right, you can see what I'm you can see what I'm thinking going, I know that he's getting annoyed at this because he's not getting it right. I could step in here and give him a hand. If I'm doing the move right and I'm not getting frustrated, you can clearly see that he's got his mind in the game. I'm not going to interrupt him because he's clearly getting it down pat at this point. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's your teacher can read your mind because it's all over you. Your mind is written on your face. Yeah, and you're just reading you know? body, body language and things like that. It's, uh... mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I could see that you're getting annoyed. 100% I could see you're getting annoyed at this. I could all, if you're smart, I could read it on, like, I've seen you fight before in competition, and we could all see on your face after an illegal blow when you start getting angry. And that was fun to watch from a spectator's point of view, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But it's this thing, you train with someone long enough and you train with your instructors and your training partners long enough, you can read their mind to know when they're getting annoyed, when they're getting frustrated, when they're in the zone, when they're happy, when they're sad, when they're angry and all the rest of it. It takes time to build that, but you can get it that way over time, which is rule number 71, which is telepathy or hyper-empathy. How could I possibly have known that? I see that question sometimes in the face of my students when I tell them that I expect them to respond in a certain way and they fail to do so. We have a saying in karate that as a teacher, it's far better to spend a lifetime creating one single student who truly understands than it is to create 10,000 who have missed the point. Yeah. All these rules are very similar. So we're going to breeze over this one again, where he's basically saying we have to get to a point where we understand what the teacher's trying to say. It's the how, not the what. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've got to chat. You've got to understand exactly what your teacher's looking for, so you don't have to be told twice. And that's it. Don't worry, everyone. This is a thing that, t- that it takes time. It You're not going to get it overnight. No. You're not going to get it in six months. You know, mm. it takes years to build up a of. If it would take, I would say it takes a good year or two of training once or twice a week to build that up to understand. Especially if your teachers swap consistently, if uh, you sometimes don't have the same head instructor all the time, mm-hmm. yep. or say you're going to other schools of uh, different martial uh, arts and yeah, you're having yeah. to try and mix things as well. Yeah, that makes things difficult. If you are true, yeah, definitely. If you're training with the same people three to four times a week, same instructors, no other martial arts, suddenly you're understanding. I know what he wants now. I know what he's looking for now. I can understand it now because I can read it on his face. The more you get to know them, the more you're willing to develop that relationship, the more you can understand what the teacher wants when they want it. And the more they can understand why you're getting annoyed, why you're getting frustrated, and why you're not doing the move that they've asked you to do. It's a time thing. But if you put the effort in and into learning it, it's going to make so much e- your life so much easier in karate. It really is. If, if, if an instructor sees that you're willing to put effort in as well, they'll put effort in with you. Mm-hmm. No one wants to. Definitely. No one wants to waste time. You know, if there's a student there where if you say one thing and it goes out the other ear, in one ear and out the other, it, that instructor's not going to then mm-hmm. sit down and, and and give like a a one to one. You know, they want to see mm-hmm. people who are who are willing. You know, and want physically. Mm-hmm. You might not be the best in the world. No one is. But if you're sure, if you're sure willing, mm-hmm. and you, you want to show, look, I, I want it, I want to learn this technique, I want to get, I want to get better at this, then your instructor's going to put more time and effort in. 
And a lot mm-hmm. of people can turn around and say, um, well, you know, I put effort in with all of my students. Uh, people, there will be students in that class where they say one thing, it goes in one ear, not the other, because they don't want to be there. My my, yeah. my answer to that one was, if you don't want to be here, don't be here. There's yeah, young parents. Yeah, and, there's nothing worse yeah, than having parents, parents young kids forcing is the big thing, their right? children to go to a class they didn't want to be in. Because then it makes it hard yeah. for me to instruct the other people who want to be there when you've got mm-hmm. one kid looking in the mirror brushing his hair. It's like, don't want to be here, go home, sit on the couch. I'm here for the people who want to be here. I want to be here for the people who want to learn, you know. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. It's it's a big thing. The more you're willing to put into wanting to learn, the easier these these last few lessons are going to come, Uh, much easier. Uh, Which, again, it always leads to the next rule, which is number 72. Uh, which is channel your teacher's teaching. Can you imagine what it means to channel your teacher's teaching? If you've read straight through to this point, I'm sure you're starting to have some idea. It means helping to facilitate what your teacher teaches to flow out, not only unimpeded into you, but also through you and into your co-highs after you. It is the type of relationship that every teacher wants to have with a student. And I would like to suggest here that you don't have to be anything special to be the one who receives the absolute best of what your teacher has to offer. You just have to open your heart a bit, open your eyes and ears a bit wider and take that leap of faith. Then he does have a story to describe this uh, with, again, unruly students and students yeah, who are willing. But, again, this is all the same thing where this is exactly what we were mentioning before. A teacher wants to create new instructors to help spread karate. That's what so that's what um, Sosai's goal was, especially with things like the Young Lions program, the Uchi, uh, Uchi Deshi, I think yeah. it was. Yeah, he, wants to, he wanted to create a strong foundation of good teachers to go out and spread the word of Kyokushin to the world because he knew that he was never going to get that chance or all of his, you know, for the future. Well, he, you know, I think uh, suicide now would have been, what, 90? Something like that? He would have been old, yeah. So, this is the thing, though, you know. Yeah, so... The way, the way I imagine suicide was looking at it was, I'm not going to be here. That doesn't mean Kyokushin won't be here. So he, mm-hmm. he, he had to teach people... Right, this is how Kyokushin should work. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. there is, there's always going to be adaptations. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. a sport that doesn't evolve dies. Simple as that. Uh-huh. Things have to evolve, right? People might not like them, but they have to evolve. Now, what I don't think he wanted was like all these organizations where someone's a 10th Dan and, and they had no affiliation with with them. Um, Whoever to get whatever he got, but he had he had yeah, an idea, and they're all arguing amongst and themselves. And he gave this idea to different people to then go out and spread that idea further. And that that's that's mm-hmm. originally what he wanted. Um, and like you know that that's what yeah. your instructor wants. Your, your instructor's not sitting mm-hmm. there going, "Hmm, well, I'll, I'll I don't want any of these to be an instructor because that'll take everything away from me." No, trust me, your instructor's standing there thinking, right, these people are coming up in the ranks now. They're starting to I need to start and show them uh the, the teaching aspects mm-hmm. and they they want you to to then go off one day and open a club and such and such. What they don't want is mm-hmm. for you to have a bad interpretation of their teaching and then start and teach it to someone else. That's why they try and keep it mm-hmm. very um 
very the, the same as 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 the the student. That's a lot of people turn around and say you know who that person's instructor was by their teaching. Yeah, and it's absolutely it's a true thing. And so, yeah, and to an extent as well, you can also tell what organisation they are. Even if you're part of the same system, you can tell what organisation some people are part of because you can tell how they do certain catas. We've been part of organisations where, for no apparent reason, they've changed catas. Yeah. So, but then these instructions aren't passed off to other people. They're just changed for those who happen to turn up. Yes. Uh, And that, again, that's also bad. Yeah. And that's also bad instruction. That's bad instructing because that's at the point where it's like, right, we're going to change things, but we're not going to tell everyone else who's part of the organization. Yeah, just We're not going to say these things to other people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's, and it's hard to be part of that organization, which, you know, which is why, you know, people changed and things like that. Uh, And especially like what you say, things have to evolve or die. And organizations that aren't willing to work with other organizations just out of what appears to be pure spite, they die, you know. Uh, but what? But the whole point of what we're trying to say here is if you're willing to let your instructors teach, don't be wrong, question teachings, ask questions, understand why things are being done and why things are the way they are. If they're not morally the right way, that if they're not being done morally the right way, find another class. But be willing to absorb everything that your teacher throws at you. Yeah. But let it go through you and let it pass let you learn it in a way that you can pass it on to other people which is like we say your teacher wants to create new teachers what he says in the book he'd rather create one excellent student who got everything perfect than create 10,000 students who could be bothered because then to him that's a waste you know why would you want to teach 10,000 people who gave up after a few years because they couldn't be bothered or do you want one student who has dedicated their entire life to learning this, which is the kind of thing you'll find when yeah. you read Judd, Reed, Judd Reed's book. He's the perfect student because he was going out of his way to get to Japan. He was getting funding. You know, he was going so far out of his way to learn this karate. He's the perfect student of martial arts, uh, which again we'll cover when we go yeah. on to his book. Uh, yeah, but we're getting through to the end, ladies and gentlemen. So we've got one last quick rule here which is number 73, karate teachers have to teach their parents too. Sometimes, yes, indeed they do when a student is a child. As a teacher, it's important to understand that there's a limited amount I can achieve because the parent in the home always has a stronger influence in the child's life. Of course, most parents get it and are my best allies. Some, however, need a gentle nudge to know how best to help me with to get their child stronger. This was actually a point that Kyoto Shinkan's Kancho Hatsuriyama made during a lecture, but one with which I was already well versed. Of course, when teaching kids, your only student is the child, but at the same time, you have to treat the parent-child as a unit in order to drive the lesson home. Parents, though, if you're reading this book in order to help your child better understand their, his or her karate classes, please just recognize there are times when I will depend on you to help me get a point across. Understand that if you miss the point, you might be making life difficult for your child by pushing him or her in a different direction. Yeah. Don't be a helicopter parent. Be a parent who's willing to get involved and listen to the instructor. But if you don't know, yeah, because if you don't understand something, say uh, the kid comes, oh man, how about this? What about that? Parents who are well-versed, who are, well-versed in karate instructing may be able to help with certain concepts and so on. They shouldn't try to overrule what the teacher is teaching unless it's unethical, immoral, or illegal. However, 
if you are also well versed in say things like physical fitness, say you're a uh, you say you're a PT, and your, your kid is struggling in class, you may be able to help your kid with a you know a regime of health, fitness, diet, exercise, and so on that'll help complement the class. That's going to make the teachers the teacher's life better because then they don't have to rely on improving their fitness in class. They know that they're going to get better outside. However, if you're none of these kind of things, the teacher could say, "Look, do you mind if?" You know, if you're saying the teacher, oh, well, I don't let him practice karate in the house. Well, then you're, what's the point in sending him? You can't learn karate in an hour a week. You can't learn, you can learn very little in an hour a week. It's why you get homework. That's it. You know, cause Academically, say, you can't uh, learn everything uh, you need to learn in the, teacher, in the school. That's why they send out homework for you to do a little bit. In of school. Homework. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, whether I agree with homework or not, it's not the point. It's the fact that teachers have, say, 150 hours worth of instruction to give, but they only have 120 hours within which to give it. They have to rely on you to be willing to learn, especially if it's something you're passionate about. If you're passionate about karate, You'll live and breathe it. You'll, you'll read research. things. You'll read yep. books. Even just reading a book for an hour a night, something like this, this will help because this will get you the concept across that you need to know. You know, it's these little things. And if you're, this is a great book for a, a that, parent to read if they're willing to stick with it and apply the concepts. I always said if I ever opened my own um, dojo, the the one thing I would do, which would probably cost me a fortune. Um, is when they buy the gi, they would get a free book of the book that we're reading now by Nathan Ligo. Because I think if mm-hmm. you, as a parent, people people just think, "Oh, my son does karate. Oh, what style of karate does he do? Oh, just karate." And the people don't get like uh, what they're getting their kid into. Um, so I I, mm-hmm. I I would if I always said if I had my own dojo, every person would get a copy of the book to read. So they get a good understanding of what they're actually getting mm-hmm. into, yeah, because it, it's it's mm-hmm. a crazy world. Yeah, it's a hard thing to do. Um, but Kyokushin is not an easy life, especially if you're living yeah, the Budo way, it. like what you're saying yeah, there. They don't understand that. They just think, "Oh, send me kid twice a week, and it'll be a black belt in a year's time." No, it doesn't doesn't quite work like that. Yeah, this is the problem when people buy. This is what he's saying earlier on. Was like, yeah. I'm going to buy me some karate. No, you, this isn't a this isn't a, a cheap taekwondo class where your parents paid the dues for three months. Therefore, you get yeah, a, you get upgraded it. to another belt, and then another belt, and then another belt, and then another belt. Your subs is yes. just an expected part to pay. Your participation is the full thing, which is why when you have things where they say, "Oh, yeah, you must train sixty hours uh, or six months or something like that," what we're talking about when we say six months. Uh, between belts is that's the minimum amount of time I can give you to instruct yes. you on certain aspects of the belts of the belt grading material, but you still have to practice. You still have to learn. You still have to go out for the runs. You still have to do the weight training. You still have to do the flexibility training. I can't do all that. I can't teach you a karate class and go, right, you go downstairs and do some bench press mm. and some deadlifts for an hour. Yeah, yeah. That's not how it works. You know, the teacher might get six hours of the week to teach you karate. I still have to do weights and runs. I still have to read up on knowledge. I still have to do flexibility and stretching at home because yeah. that six hours a week isn't well, I, enough to give me as a parent, everything I need. Take take a step back. Let the instructor... Don't be the parent that mm-hmm. goes... Um, when, when a grading comes up and goes, well, hang on, why is my kid not grading? The reason your child is not grading is because that child is not ready, Right. 
that is not always down to the mm. instructor either. I'm not saying that um, it's 100% not down to the instructor because I don't no, not every instructor out there is perfect, but I imagine that that child's not in for a grade mm-hmm. is because they're not ready for it. As an instructor, I am not going to put a child mm-hmm. in a grade to then fail them and knock their confidence and the and, and everything else, mm-hmm. and then make them think, well, "This is crap. This isn't for me." I will put a child in for a grade mm-hmm. when I feel, "Yep, that child is 100% ready for that grade." Make sure they're there Saturday at nine o'clock in the morning. And uh, but mm. unless that child drastically messes up in the on the grading day, I I I wouldn't put anyone in for a grading that um was not ready. I think it uh, it happened once where yeah. um it was a there was a grading yep. one and this parent walked up with the child and I was I looked and I was like, yeah he's not supposed to be here, and they were like oh he said there was a grading on. Yeah, there might be a grading on, but the, you know people get told who's ready for them, who's not. And uh, anyway, we had to go ahead with the the grading. Yeah. The child was not ready for it, to say the least. Um, and you know, history after that. But just have a bit of faith in your instructor. You're paying them mm-hmm. to do a job. Let them do it. Uh, exactly. Uh, exactly. Like I say, unless you can see something that's clearly immoral, illegal, or otherwise. Exactly. Let the yeah, stuff yeah, to yeah. do what they're doing. You know, they're there for a reason. They're there for a reason. But ladies and gentlemen, what we'll do is we will leave it at that for now. We have, we're now up to rule 73 and 74, so uh, we're, we're making uh, waves through the book. So we will leave it there for now. And next week we will be back with more rules uh, on how to live the Budo life through the Auction Beginner's Guide. Uh, as always, ladies and gentlemen, we do have our giveaway coming up soon. Uh, the terms of which are on our Facebook page, which is the Marshall Way podcast. Uh, we'll be giving away a copy of this book, which is a fantastic read. Again, it's not just for karate. It's for any martial art. It's even rules for life, if you're willing to apply them, which is exactly what we're trying to do here. Um, so if you if you haven't got a copy of this book, enter the giveaway. Once we've, or once we've reached the goal of, uh, and the terms of the giveaway, We'll see who gets it and we'll ship it off to you or we'll find a way to get it to you. Uh, read it and understand exactly why we are doing this book because it is such a good book. Uh, mine's now covered <laughs> in notes and pencil markings and all the rest of it, uh, especially as I go back through because now I'm starting to read things in the book that I may have missed before. Uh, and it's an important thing to do. Uh, you know, that's what these books are for. And that's why I prefer to have a book like this rather than the uh, the digital copy, which I don't yeah, even think I exists, to be fair. Uh, so get yourself yeah, a copy and go it. through and with and pencil. Um, but is there anything else you'd like to add, Colin? Basically what you said, you know, um, the, the giveaway is there. It's on Facebook. Uh, we are we will be giving it away. Uh, the, the terms and conditions and everything are on the Facebook page. So if you do want your chance to win it, please head over to there. Do what it says and, you know, we'll, you'll be getting a copy of me and Bradley. Um, once you've read that copy... Let us know what you think of the book by just dropping us a message. Uh, I'll send it in a voice note type thing. Um, and mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what other people think. But yeah, uh, I hope people are still enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I know we haven't been active for a few weeks, but you know we're both dealing with um, personal issues at the moment. So but we are trying to get uh, as much as we can do done. But uh, I just hope people are enjoying it, yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we will leave that there now and we shall see you all on the next episode and we look greatly forward to being able to hear your opinions on this book and what we're putting out in the future. So thank you again, ladies and gentlemen, and Connor, (laughs) thank you very much for having me around. Uh, I can't wait to see this. I can't wait to do this again with you next time. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much and we shall see you all next week.